Live from New York, it's unfortunately us. She's a nice little Swedish girl. <laughs> Is she Swedish? Yeah, she's Swedish. I've we done start, my research on, on Greta. We started we started recording, by the way. <laughs> okay. Here's the, here's the thing. Okay. With round two, I'm going to talk about Greta. Okay? Yeah, yeah, Here's the thing with Greta Thunberg that I don't like. Okay? I support her message and what she has to say about the climate and and everything. And I agree with her. But I don't like her. Like, she kind of looks... She's how old is Greta? Like I, a like a twelve? I think so. Thirteen? I'm not sure. She's she's somewhere a, she, in that range. Here, let's let's look it up. Yeah, look her up. Let's find okay. out. <laughs> she looks like like a middle aged angry woman. Is the thing? She is right? Swedish. Okay. Like even if we saved the world, she's uh she's eighteen, buddy. Oh Jesus! Is she? Yeah. Apparently, at least that's what it says. Even if we saved the world from the climate, okay? Yeah. She's not someone you would want to, like, hang out with afterwards, it feels like, you know? I'm sure she's a lovely, I'm sure she's a lovely girl. I'm sure she's nice, and I'm sure she, and she just wants to save the earth. But she doesn't give off that vibe that she's a nice person. Yeah. No, you know? I I, I kind of get what you're saying. She does have like that uh, that resting bitch face, just a little bit. Yeah, um, and she's only 18. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine what she's gonna look like in 20 years. Oh dear God. <laughs> she's uh yeah, she's interesting because she also kind of like I remember she popped out of nowhere. Um. Yeah. Like two years ago, or was it two years ago or three years ago? I don't know. She just like started getting you know national attention. Or global I attention, I should say. And well, I yeah, global attention, because we don't live in Sweden last yeah, time I checked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was interesting to kind of see, like, everybody just going like, oh my god, Greta, and I'm like, where the where did she come from? Where, Look, like, where did I, this start? Again, I support her message yeah. about saving the Earth. Like, that is not my issue with right. Greta Thunberg. And I just, I don't like her face i don't like her face i don't like her sideways ponytail like she's 18 now so it's okay you she's an adult so you can berate her now like you do everybody else (laughs) whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. it's first of all i would i would berate her if she was a child okay (laughs) if a child does something shitty i shut him down see but now she has to stand up for herself now she's gonna be like like hey you called me a big head you fucking schmuck and she can and come back at you. Greta, if you're listening, I'm not trying to be mean to you. Greta, if you're our one viewer, I'm not trying to be mean to you. Okay? I just don't like your face. Lay your hair down a little bit, girl. That's all I'm saying. Don't tell a woman what to do. Are you oh crazy? Are you crazy? Just, she needs to, like, you know. You might as well tell her, smile more. <laughs> this is what you should be saying. How dare you? How dare you tell a woman to do something? I'm not. That's not what I'm implying. Okay, I'm just saying. Maybe when we we'll, maybe when we do save the world, maybe you'll like lighten up a little bit. But you see, she seems a little too serious. 
you know? And I get it's a serious it is issue. A serious issue. I was about to say that, yeah. I get it's a serious issue, but I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, is there any levity in her life? Well, maybe, or is she know, just... maybe the idea of a child being so angry that she's decided to talk about environmental issues is kind of the, the caveat of what makes her appearances successful. It's the fact that it's like, oh, look, a child is so pissed off that they've decided to be the environmentalist instead of an adult. It's yeah. Like, well, it pertains more to her, doesn't it? I would than say it so. does like I would like a so, Joe than a Joe Biden type. Right, but the imagery of it is also, you know, what makes it so like astounding, right? It's like people turn on their TVs and there's like a well when this happened she was like what, fifteen, sixteen? So it was like, Oh, there's a sixteen year old on your television fucking lecturing you about environmental uh, catastrophes that we're responsible for. If a yeah, child I, has to do that, I think that's but, the that's the imagery, isn't it? A kid's the but, one lecturing us. But she, they should, the kid should be the one doing that because it's going to affect them more down yeah. the road. Exactly, she's going to be more affected affected by climate change than again, like a Joe Biden type. Who's I mean, Joe Biden's <laughs> seventy eight and she's eighteen. He's got sixty years on her. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's not going to see jack shit of of any of the consequences of all of this. He's, yeah, he's gonna... I mean, when she's 78, we're all going to be fire-roasted peanuts. Yeah, exactly. So... When she's 78, I'll be what? Uh, I'll be old. I'll be in my 80s, my early 80s. I'll be dead, hopefully. You would also be in your early 80s. Yeah, I'll be dead, hopefully. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to see early 80s. I mean, the 70s look a little more lax now, you know? People that hit their seventies look a little better now, I would say, than they did, you know, like they look better, but they look better, but you can still tell they're still like trying to they're barely holding it together. I mean some of them. But there's some people in their seventies that look pretty good. You know, like Schwarzenegger's still doing pretty good and he's in his seventies. Yeah, but all it takes is one good fall for his leg to just come off. Well, no, remember he took a drop kick from a dude and, like, nothing no, happened? No, I, I don't. Why would I remember that? I don't remember that at this all. This happened, like, two years ago. What? He was in, I forgot where the fuck he was. He was, like, at a at a event or something. And some dude came, like, ran up to him while he his back was turned to him. And he ran up to Schwarzenegger and drop kicked him in the back. And Schwarzenegger moved, like, an inch from, like, the kick. And he just turned around, like, what the fuck was that? Was that a big fly? He just like it wasn't. First, it was barely an inconvenience to him. First of all, what kind of asshole tries to drop kick a seventy-year-old? Right. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then second of all, like he's in insanely good shape. I don't know if he's like the no, poster child for all seventy-year-olds. He doesn't look the like as great as like someone like Lou Ferrigno does currently, but he's still really strong. You know. Like he yeah, may not he's visually like, look the way that he did, but he still could lift. He's always up. been he's always been in great shape, though. I mean, yeah. he's like just that kind of guy. But I'm talking about a 70 year old, like a, uh, you know, just like an old guy, like an old guy, like a Trump or a Biden, or just like an. If someone drop kicked a Biden or a Trump, they would they die. <laughs> well, Trump is a fucking mountain. He's like six two. He weighs like. 200 and something pounds yeah but that's just stacked fat bro yeah i know like that's not 
that's not like but you know a some, solid some that's not a people. solid foundation like Arnold Schwarzenegger well, has. Some fat people they're hard to take down too, and they don't really have any muscle, you know. So like, it'd be like drop them. drop kicking pudding. <laughs> that's drop kicking. That's true. Trump loves his McDonald's. He, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any protein in his body. Well, can we? I know that's old news, but can we talk about that when he invited all those guys to the White House and gave them McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> that dude that dude is a billionaire. A billionaire. With a B. He, he invites people to the White House and gives them the cheapest fast food there is. He can't split he can't even go to fucking Panera or something. No. You I mean he Trump can't splurge at all. But I'm just saying like like he can even he can eat shit food still and make it like higher quality. You know? I mean, sure, but I don't know, man. <laughs> just, it's the cheapest thing he's ever. That's so he was, frugal. He was born in the cesspool of 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 uh, consumption and commerce, which is New York City. <laughs> you know, like to him, I, it was a McDonald's like on every other block. I'm sure it's what he ate most, like the most that he consumed. So I, I guess it just carried over. I don't fucking know. He just loves his McDonald's, man. And Again, I say billionaire. Yeah billionaire yeah i'm sure he did not eat mcdonald's every day there are such well, nice places in was, new york city that you to, can eat he's known to like mcdonald's quite a bit like he he yeah, frequents just those so... restaurants he eats them quite a bit but when you're inviting people to the white house okay <laughs> you don't give them we're fucking talking about McDonald's. we're talking about trump here man <laughs> i'm just but that's what i'm like i feel like people just kind of glossed over it like yeah trump got them mcdonald's and like they were more like surprised that trump liked mcdonald's than he was just like cheating these people who were like who do, who was it who did he invite them? i don't remember just some diplomats or something i don't fucking remember diplomats <laughs> hey welcome to our country here's the cheapest food we have hold on let's let's look it up trump uh mcdonald's meal or mcdonald's dinner he like but he eats it on his own time as well like doesn't he just <laughs> which fine fine but when you're dealing with foreign diplomats like can't you splurge a little bit is that so, so the hard around trump's fast food football feast uh he so he ordered mcdonald's wendy's for the the uh class the clemson tigers who the Clemson Tigers are a national college football champ. They're national college football champions, and he served them burgers, pizza, and fries from Burger King, McDonald's, and Wendy's alongside Domino's Pizza. I bet Trump supports whoever their rivals are, <laughs> and he was trying to like slow the Clemson Tigers down. <laughs> He's like, like I'll just fill them up with shit. <laughs> yeah, he probably like bet on them or something. And he's like, uh, uh, he's like, I got or bet against them. He's like, I gotta, I gotta fatten them up. How much, how much of that do you think they ate? Are they even allowed to eat that shit? They're professional athletes. No, they yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. That's right. I just thought of it. They're professional fucking athletes. They can't be no, eating I... fast food. Well, okay. To in in Trump's defense, right. <laughs> He is by no means an athlete and does not know what they are eating. I know. That's true. That's true. Does Trump look like the guy who's ever been on an athlete's diet? No. 
Not at all. Yeah. Have you seen him when he's when he was forty? That no. man that that man has never looked healthy. Just no. letting you know. But I mean, I don't know, man. It's crazy because I don't I don't think he's been the nation's unhealthiest president though. Maybe he uh... ha- no, maybe he has been. Because I'm trying to think back and I'm thinking like, you know, Taft, but Taft was fat but not like he didn't fast food didn't exist when Taft was president. He was just a fat guy. Yeah, he was just a fat guy. There's just nothing you can do about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like... Sometimes you're just fat. Sometimes you're just... But I, don't, I think Trump might actually be the unhealthiest president. Because he actually ordered fast food every day. Well, I don't know if every day, but it seems like he did. Because he maintained that physique. But uh, I don't know... I, uh... I wasn't alive when Taft was president, so I don't really know what people are saying about it. But you think people, people are mad? Our president's fat. This is people, a... people definitely weren't giving rave reviews about Trump's health. Yeah, no, I agree. But I don't know if he's been our most unhealthy leader. He probably is, though. To be honest, I don't know. Who knows? I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh... look. I don't look at Obama and go, "That's our our, our most unhealthiest leader." You know? Yeah. Well, that's true. I don't think Obama was shoveling Big Macs down his throat every other Sunday. The problem, here's the thing. I feel like we're in a downslide of presidents, okay? Because we had, and maybe this is controversial. I don't care, okay? That's what I live for. Right. All right? Obama was cool as shit. Yeah, he was. (laughs) He was just like, whether you agree with his policies or not, I'm not even going to get into that. He was just cool like he was a cool guy when when trump opened his mouth you were like what is this what is this moron gonna say (laughs) right like it's just like he he was a wild card he wasn't like charismatic and like laid back like obama was he was just say wild shit and get him into the he just spoke his thoughts out loud you know yeah which which you know that is fine it's fine, but it's so. like, you know, when you go from the charismatic guy to this, like, crazy loose cannon wild card, it's kind of like, okay, what are we doing now, right? Yeah. And now you've got Joe Biden, who I can't tell you a single word Joe Biden says, because when he opens his mouth, I fall asleep a little bit. He falls asleep a little bit. I know, I know. <laughs> he can't even get through his own sentences. I know. So I just feel like we're in, like, a downward slide. I wonder Obama, the... like, topped the charismatic meter, and no one can, you know. I know. I, there's been no president cooler than Barack Obama. Like, I know he's done some, some heinous shit when he was president, you know. He's they've like, all, they all They've have. all done it. You Every know, nobody's, president No sucks. president doesn't, ha- no president has their hands clean. Every single one has had blood on their hands. But... Obama managed to like kind of cover all of that with this veneer of just charisma. And yeah, he was, was able to stand on stage, and even though he was one of those guys that would go um during speeches, it, it was still cool as shit. Like he still managed to like transmute that into yeah. this, this really well articulated uh, speech. Well, he was he was a real modern politician. He had the charisma. He was doing the seedy shit. Yeah. He was moving and he was moving and grooving a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I do. I agree with the seedy shit. He did No, every, I have a newsflash for the American people. Okay. Listen to me, America. Every president is a horrendous piece of shit. Sane people do not run for that office. Yeah. I know. That's just how it, that's just how it is. That's how it is. 
Okay. Even Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Even Bernie Sanders. Even Bernie Sanders, who I like, you know, I've got nothing against Bernie. But you think you if know? Bernie were to become president, you think he'd even become crazier? You think... I, who knows? You think I think, I, I think he'd be the most memeable president. I think so too. I would love, to, I would have loved to have seen an old Jewish man yelling at other countries for their foreign policy. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that too. <sighs> Oh, I just God. I don't I don't know, man. I think it's uh, I, don't, I don't know. The government is fucked. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what we need to do. Every state needs to become a sovereign nation. <laughs> okay. I think we tried that for a little bit at the beginning of the of the nation. No, like 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 fully sovereign, not connected to any other state. Okay. I guess. And then instead of imagine, didn't, didn't in, we do that though? Didn't we do that when, before the fucking uh, the Constitution was finalized? We had something I forgot what it was called. It was like the Acts or or, or something, where every state kind of functioned independently from the other, and they could go, I, they could look at another state and go, "Fuck you, I'm doing it this way," and they could kind of engage in. I I don't know enough about that to have a conversation with you, you about here, that, motherfucker. <laughs> but I I will say, imagine instead of having to worry about North Korea, right? Mm-hmm. You had to worry about, like, Connecticut. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, the New Jersey... I guess he wouldn't be the governor at that point. The New Jersey president got on the TV and he said, Okay, listen, guys. Connecticut's moving troops to the borders. Okay? Mm-hmm. We might be going to war with Connecticut. You couldn't go to Hartford or it'd be a war zone. It feels like you're saying mm-hmm, but not really listening. No, because I'm, I'm sorry because I was looking up this thing I was talking about. But I did hear you. They could go to war because they they're sovereign nations. Essentially, they're not states anymore, so they have no like they have no reason to compromise with each other. But just imagine how how different life would be if you weren't having to worry about someone on the other side of the world. You only had to worry about Connecticut. I well, <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly uh, very peaceful to imagine that uh, your neighbor is more likely to attack you than some guy. But Connecticut's not going to nuke you. Connecticut's not going to nuke you. Because then they're going to get hit with that too, right? They'll just come in, and then instead of living in New Jersey, you'd be a part of Connecticut. Yeah, but that localizes tension. I don't know if that's all that great of an idea. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I think it's a great idea. Everybody's like, New Jersey, New Yorkers now actually hate each other, you know? I say... I say let chaos reign as long as there's not nukes. By the way, I looked it up. It is a thing. It's called the Articles of Confederation. And it was an agreement okay. among the 13 original states of the U.S. that served as its, as its first constitution. Um, so basically, the weak central government established by the Articles received only those powers which the former colonies had recognized as belonging to king and parliament. Uh the document provided clearly written rules for how the state's league of leadership would be organized. Uh, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't really specifically tell me like how the states dealt with one another. Um, but the states did ratify them. So does it say anything about how they would deal with each other? Um, no. <laughs> 
It doesn't. Here's what we need to do. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We need to get every weapon on the face of the earth. That's nukes. That's guns. That's that's every weapon. Okay. We need to put it in a giant burlap sack. Okay. We need to build a giant burlap sack and put it in that and strap a rocket to that burlap sack and just shoot it into space. And then we need to give everyone swords and bow and arrows again. And that's how warfare should be conducted. So you want to take everybody's guns away? I want to, t- I want to replace them with swords and bow and arrows. But you, and want, I'm to, not... but you want to take everybody's guns away? Everybody. You, you act like such a sleazy, sleazy politician right there. I asked you a direct question. I said, do you want to take everybody's guns away? And then you fucking went, I, I want to replace them. I don't want to <laughs> take but, them but away. Here's the thing when the government says they want to take away our guns. The yeah. government isn't taking away its own guns. It's only taking away the people's guns, right? Right. I want to take away the government and the people's guns and replace them with swords and bow and arrows. I, you know, that's actually something I never, now that we're on that topic, that's something I didn't quite understand when... Uh, what? Whenever people are afraid, like, oh, the government, like, we, we, we have the Second Amendment rights is to, you know, fight a tyrannical government. And that all made sense, you know, back in, like, pre-1940. Yeah. <laughs> but now, you know, the government has drones that fly thousands of feet in the air you can't even see with the naked eye. You have nuclear weapons, small thermonuclear weapons. I mean, there's no way. Like, no matter how well armed you are as an American citizen. You can't take on the government. I don't think the government would nuke its own soil, first no, I don't of all. Think they, well, but they did I for also, tests. So, well, for tests. But yeah. I think that... I don't... I, I think uh, I think people should keep their guns. No, I agree. I just <laughs> maybe, think, maybe that's controversial, but no, I think I, people should keep their guns. I, I agree that people should keep their guns. I just think that this argument of, like, I need it for a tyrant... For in the case of tyranny, it's like, I don't think that's a great defense, because I think the government would definitely win that fight. <laughs> I think I think it's a good defense. I just I think, think it's they would a good win. defense. I think they would win. I think the government would would demolish all of its citizens. The government is made out of like the, the army is made out of citizens. Right. Yeah. So who would the government use to fight? Wait. They're all military, of course. But you'd have to. You don't know which side the military is gonna is gonna take. They're not. Most of them are probably not gonna turn into a militia like the u.s did back in 1770 well it depends on where like i mean like it depends on where because that's what happened fighting that's what happened early in this country isn't it like random people well not random but like u.s colonizers or citizens if you want to call them that because it wasn't the united states yet but these are just you know farm workers that picked up muskets and went we're gonna fight for freedom and some they, of them, but some of them were old uh, British troops. George not, Washington used to be in the British Army. Yeah, he used to be in the British Army, and they picked him to lead. But most of these people were not trained soldiers. And Washington was mostly in charge, or a lot of these leaders were in charge of training them. So, I think like, there are, I think all, uh, some of the guys were in the British Army. I think a good, no, not all of them, but I think a good majority. No, not and the majority. I think, uh, a good minority, maybe. Or a good, a good amount. I think yeah. a, good, a good handful were in the British Army. And I, I think that uh, we'd get some troops and we'd get some people if there was a rebellion nowadays and they'd uh, maybe do it. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't I, don't, know. I think you're not giving them enough credence. I think people. things are very different nowadays. I would have given them credence, like I said, pre-1940. But... I don't know a government, is. a government is composed of people, and when the people are upset and unhappy, 
they can uh, do something. They, they should. They can do something about it. Like, like, uh, like overthrow the government. I'm not saying <laughs> it should happen. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying it's a possibility that could happen. I'm not saying that's what should happen. How would you go about I'm overthrowing not, the government? What's your strategy? I'm and keep in mind, the NSA is listening. I don't feel comfortable saying that over the air. Here's here's where I'm at with the whole... Let's say the United States went into civil war tomorrow, okay? All right. Whose side do I take? That's your question to me right now. I don't take a side, because I'm a man of the people, okay? So the people who suffer, I go out and I find a way to help them. And I go, I don't want any part in the violence, Joseph. I want people to be happy and to live their lives. I'm like, if you think, I'm not gonna say that over the air either. <laughs> what what I was gonna I say am, is like, here's what I'm not gonna do over the air: compare myself to Jesus, which is what I was about to do. I, I can see that. Yeah, but I um, look, I I don't think I'd pick a side either. I would just want to survive, ideally. That would be my the first goal on my mind. Um, but like, I I don't know, man. I just feels like it's such a different time. I don't. I think warfare is completely different. And it's, I don't think, I know it is. It's completely different from, you know, the, the eras that we're referring to. So I don't, I, yeah, yeah, it's hard to know how it would, it would end up going down. But I feel like a lot of people are still very loyal to, to their country. And, uh, you know, the Civil War, yeah. I think is pretty. But then, but, 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 what, is, that's, what is their definition of the country, right? Right, well, that's what I'm saying. The Civil War, when it split. <laughs> You had the Confederacy, and people were loyal to the Confederacy, which was the new country, so to speak. And you had people that were loyal to the Union. Um, well, you could... Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not defending the Confederate. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> uh, I'm not... <laughs> Look, it's a tricky subject. All I'm saying is some people say, oh, the country is changing. Let, let's let's talk nowadays. Some people say, I live in the, I live in the South, Okay. And I'm not saying I, I'm not saying which side I agree with, okay, at all. I have no, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not playing politics here. All I'm saying is I see some people saying, "Oh, you know, our country is this. This is what our country is, right?" And I can't believe what like Biden or the left is doing to our country, right? Right. And then there are people up in the north, or like major cities and stuff. The, the left who say like oh i can't believe what the right is doing to our country right each one thinks they're fighting for the country they just have opposing views of what the country is right so i think i think, I think the main <laughs> issue of what's, what's happened, happened today, today i feel is like we've decided that our perspectives are decisive whereas like back in i mean i think we've always had that that idea but i think it was there was more mutual respect between both sides at some point like they would always yell at each other and fucking like hate each other but there was never like uh like oh this these parties should we should stop these parties from existing like they're they're against humanity and all that's right i feel like now we have a lot of moral crusaders who feel that you know you're either left and that's the way that things have to be done and it's the only way that things can be done or you're right, and that's the only way that things could be done. They can't... Their bipartisanship, I feel like, feels way, way harder to pull off now. Um, yeah. Well, well, I, com- I completely agree with that. And I think that um, we, need, we need bipartisanship in the country. Because if one, you know, party were to, like, 
you know, stand above the rest or say, this is the way we need to do things, then we go down a totalitarian system. We go down a one party system and that's not good. No, I mean like, that's not good. Like you need that other side to weigh the other side out. That's what's made America like good in the past. But what, what do, do you think, think I mean, is the solution to a problem? Because everybody you know, has their own solution. Everybody has an alternative. But, I mean, you know, I look, I look out every day and I see everyone constantly, like, you know, campaigning and, and, and uh, even they, they completely stop being friends with people simply over political ideologies. Yeah. And I don't think, that, personally, that's me, I don't think that's right. You know, I think the second that someone's like, I don't want to be friends with you because you, you're a conservative. It's like, well, then I don't think you guys are ever friends to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. like, I, that's just how I view Like, I have, I'm Cuban. There's people in my family that voted Trump. They're, yeah. they're conservative and they have no problem letting people know about it. And, um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, why would you still be family? Like, why would you still accept this family? Like, they're racist and whatnot. I'm like, first of all, they're not racist. <laughs> yeah they're cuban number one but they're not racist and um like when, you, when people say that to me it just what it shows me is that they've never had to love someone they disagree with and yeah i, I don't know how to get past it i feel like a lot of people now feel like it's okay to throw people away simply because they don't agree with them politically yeah and so I, yeah go ahead no, 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 you finish. You no, finish. I was just going to say, I just, I just seems like that's something that brewed more recently than it's, my, or maybe it's just my naivety because I haven't lived in the past, so I don't know, but. No, I definitely think the gap has grown. Mm-hmm. That, like, gap of, like, oh, well, you think this way, so we can't be, like, associated anymore. Because, like, like you were saying, like, partisanship seems to be, like, sort of going away. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, you could say, yeah, I'm a conservative and I'm a liberal, and people would get along. Like, their political views are different, but for the most part, they get along. Mm-hmm. But now you say that, and people are deeply upset. So I think the solution to that, and it's a solution I don't think a lot of people want to hear, is the country needs to, like, people won't do this because they don't want to let go of power, but the country needs to break up. I mean, like we're 380 or 338 million people. And the fact is like what helps New Jersey where you are and what helps Texas where I am completely different things, completely different policies, completely different politicians, completely different. Like it's just, you know, like where we live are two completely different places. So you can't expect one guy to make decisions for all those different kinds of places. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like the reason South Dakota voted Trump was because Trump's policies helped South Dakota. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they didn't help like California per se, or they weren't what California wanted, but they helped South Dakota. So South Dakota votes Trump and California goes Biden. So, it shows that those two places need different things. So what you do is you take the country and you divide it up into five separate countries and then everyone's getting what they need. And you can still like, you could do like an EU thing where everyone trades with each other. Right. But I feel like that also splits up a lot of the U S's resources. And that's primarily, you know, I think what people are concerned about is that now there's going to be a disbalance of, of these five different countries, GDPs. You know, and some of them are going to struggle on their own, um, and and they they will, mm-hmm. uh, but then you know, hopefully they'll be able to enact 
laws and and monetize on resources that they have there mm-hmm. to uh to help them i mean it's thrive. possible i mean like but i i think me personally i think my solution um or at least what i think might work is is the election process the voting process and kind of how we pick our candidates yeah i think the idea would be because uh, we basically have a popularity contest that's how we pick our leader mm-hmm. and so you know and I, I i've always thought that that was kind of weird and I, I know most countries do. It's not just the United States that has this this process, but it's. I think what would be ideal was is to have a selection process or have or be able to curate who is on those tickets, like who gets to be a nominee. We get to decide if those people um, have the qualifications for a job like that. So yeah. you know we don't. So a Trump doesn't happen again, or you know someone like Sleepy Biden. <laughs> doesn't happen yeah. again you know you get to you get to curate who's actually on those tickets and you get to have people who are are, are generally genuinely capable of running a country now of course you mentioned that some of those politicians don't understand the 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 intrinsic uh aspects of of a lot of these different parts of the united states which yeah. is true some of them are were born in completely different places and have a a, a completely different understanding of what the united states is yeah. What I think it, what I think would help is having somebody who's secular, secular candidates who have kind of a more neutral perspective on 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 ideologies and things of that nature, and they also are people who have at least traveled throughout the United States. Maybe that sounds silly, but someone who's actually seen the United States corner to corner and understands these differences in yeah. economics, in so in social um, in, with social issues. Um, and just overall, like the different ways of life that exist in the U.S. Because it's, you know, a lot of people, people that live in cities think it's like that throughout the entire U.S. And that's why they get mad at yeah. conservatives because they don't understand how uh, conservatives function because they've only lived in a city environment. So yeah. it doesn't make sense that they support those policies that aren't beneficial to someone who lives in a city. Um, and it's equal for people that live in rural country. They don't understand the economics of, of, of a city. They don't understand why those people... Uh, would support the policies they support because it doesn't benefit them. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned. So it um, it's I think it's about having a leader who understands those differences, can consolidate them, and also remains secular at the end of the day. Um, and is able to kind of feed the uh, feed each part of the country the way that it needs to be, with speci- yeah. in specific doses, if so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but that's a perfect world that I'm envisioning. You know, it's hard. People are not perfect, and I don't think politicians can be selected that way. Because then it's like, well, well, you, who do you put in charge to select those candidates? Because now we're relying on their opinion of what a good candidate is. Well, so. I think, I think the problem is we have this idea that like, you know, there's Democrat and Republican, right? Yeah. We've got a two-party system. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're choosing between two people. And the fact is, like, I know a lot of people hated Trump. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know I know a lot of people who hated Trump and I know a lot of people who like Trump. Okay. I know a lot of people who hate Biden and I know a lot of people who like Biden. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fact is, like, we shouldn't be choosing between the lesser of two evils. Back in 2012, 2012? No, 2016. I lied oh, wow. to you. Back in 2016, okay, when we had to choose between uh, Hillary or Clinton, or Trump or Clinton, uh, 
like no like i didn't want either one of them you know i know a lot of people who didn't want either one of them i know a lot of people who didn't want either trump or biden like we shouldn't be choosing the lesser of two evils to run the country people used to have faith in their politicians in this country we should expand our two-party system to a bigger you know I mean, like, the Netherlands has, like, a 14-party system or something, and there's 14 million people there. There are 338 million people in this country, and we've got a two-party system. It, it just doesn't seem like... No, and there are third parties, but they don't get any recognition. They don't get invited to the debates. They don't... Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, like, not... Well, yeah, they have to meet, like, a certain threshold before they can even be on the debate stage. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's impossible for them to do that because they also don't get any media coverage. Right. I mean, you know, and like I, you know, people don't like when when this is said, because a lot of people associate it with the things that Trump said. But it's true. The the media does manipulate the perspective of of Americans, and a hundred percent. And you know, and it's for both sides. I'm not attacking yeah, any yeah. particular party when it comes to this. I'm not attacking you know CNN and the Democrats, and I'm not talking. I'm you know I'm attacking them equally. I'm attacking the liberals that's that kind of perpetuate their their narrative through the news and the conservatives that do it through the news you know with like fox and whatnot um it's it's equal on both ends and and the problem is that there's no like strong independent news organization that would be willing to cover um third-party candidates hell they don't even cover some of their own candidates if they feel it's not beneficial to the party yeah like you know when andrew yang was running in in 20 uh in 2020 um, oh my god! It already feels like a long time ago, but when Andrew Yang was running, um, if you remember, like a lot of these news sites wouldn't even cover him; they wouldn't even include his polling data on the list of candidates. And he was active in the in the running. You yeah, know, like you wouldn't see him, and it's it was so weird because it's like this is a candidate that is in fact running for the United States. His numbers should be up on that screen. People should be aware of who he is. Right. You shouldn't just be you know sidelining him because he's not convenient to your broadcast. I think that's right. silly, and I think it's even more silly because CNN was one of the the companies doing this, and Yang works for CNN, at least now yeah. he does. So it's like you know, it's it's so um, it seems so counterintuitive to just kind of throw away people that are or candidates that are perfectly um, capable of running this country, or perfectly capable of at least being heard, and uh, and they're part of your own party. You know, we shove people aside. Tulsi Gabbard immediately blacklisted by the Democratic Party in that in that uh, in that whole election. And she's a Democrat. But they started treating yeah. her like she was some sort of Russian spy. I mean, I get that a lot of people didn't agree with her rhetoric, but they also sidelined her. It's right. like this is also a candidate of your party. This is what gives the, your party strength. Why are you constantly denoting that? You know? The problem is I feel like a lot of people are losing faith in their government. Yeah. And the systems we have in in place in the United States. You know, like I mean, back in th this country was founded on the basis that citizens could make a difference. Like it was a country by the people for the people, right? right. Is is the idea. Whether that was true or not, I mean, there are a lot of people that were marginalized and left out of that, right? Mm -hmm. The African American community, women, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but it, the idea of it was that it was a country by the people for the people. So if you really want to fix the country, make it a country truly for the by people. the people for the people, right? Don't put politicians above everyone else. Don't have private interest groups. Don't like, you know, 
this government shouldn't be run on what's best for the government. It should be run on what's best for the people. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because, um, and I mentioned George Carlin a lot, but I remember I was watching a um, uh, a PB. I think it was a PBS interview. It was him and Charlie Rose back in the mid '90s, and um, he was talking about how how like he you know he's a very he's a big cynic, but he finds it very ironic when people like Americans say that they hate their government. Because it doesn't say the the us or the this is on that piece of paper. It says we the people. Yeah. And so if you hate the government, you hate yourself. You're engaging in a form of suicide, essentially. Yeah. Uh, whether that holds, like you said, whether it, that holds uh, true to this day that we truly, the people truly do have power or not, is um, is left for debate. Although I, I definitely think it leans um, against that point. But. Um, it's important to remember that that's the intrinsic value of this country and that we kind of have to find a way to go back to that. It seems that we've given politicians too much power in the sense that we've given them um, the abilities to... I wouldn't say necessarily charismatically, but we've given them the ability to uh, basically, you know, buy out competition. Uh, Most of these politicians are rich and they're not... They don't have our best interests at heart, let's be honest. Um, It feels more like we're owned than it does that then it does like we that we have our own voice so to speak you know like it doesn't right. feel like like when i go out there if i say something it really matters intrinsically to the 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 structure of the country uh, but if some rich cocksucker out there does says the same thing i do then it, it gets more attention right. so you know it's it's we have like this really weird classist system in this country that i think has taken precedent over the people and that's the problem um I just I don't like you said there's there's solutions in there's there's really big uh, vast ideas that we could have for solutions but they the small details are the problem right I, there's so many little intrinsic pieces to this puzzle that if you change one thing it could fuck up the other thing entirely right um, and I'm speaking you know very simplistically about it but I mean at the end of the day that is the truth it's the fact that we it's this is a really complicated issue everybody has something to benefit or to gain or lose from it and um you know it's kind of hard to balance it um i don't know which direction the united states is going in you know going forward but yeah but i do agree that we definitely have that george carlin view of like oh we hate the government but you know ironically enough we also kind of hate ourselves in the process well well the problem is it feels like whether you're sort of what whatever side of the fence you're on no one seemed everyone everyone seems to agree that they don't feel the country is headed in a positive direction right right i mean like whether you're you're on the one side of the fence that says you know the country is inherently racist and we have all these racist systems set up and and uh you know the justice system is fucked and the you know like the policing is fucked and everything should be like shut down and we should tear up all these systems and nothing's being done about it. Whether you're on that side of the fence or whether you're on the side of the fence about, um, you know, everything we have in place is fine. It's the people trying to tear it down that are the issue. No one seems to, er, or everyone seems to agree on the fact that we're, we're boned in some way. Like the, the country's going to tear itself apart. And, and I mean, I think, I think this old issue of, racism which is maybe i shouldn't say old issue because it's definitely still an issue i'm not trying to discount the fact that it's still a problem but this 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 issue of racism which has been present in american society since the beginning that we've tried to 
whether whether we did it right or not, tried to rectify over the course of our history seems to be what's going to uh, tear the country apart. Well, I also think it's been boosted by you know the modern age because um, now, uh, now you have racism has been racism has been boosted or the um the, the reach of racism has been boosted okay not necessarily okay. the numbers it's it's mostly the fact that um you know back in back in let's say let's go back to the 1960s in the 1960s if if somebody wanted to join some sort of uh, racist movement like the kkk or otherwise they would physically have to go to these movements attend them and and you know kind of rally together as a people Right. Or, you know, they could call in or something of that nature, right? They had they had to be able to, to kind of come together and to do that. And it was really always localized, right? It was only people in the area that would do that. You know, you know nobody would travel cross-country to go meet somebody else for, for a movement like this. At least it, it happened very rarely. So, but nowadays you have the internet. You have the internet and crazy people all over the world are now capable of communicating with one another and coalescing. Right. And creating groups, and they don't have to be physically in the same area to do it. It's no longer localized; it's global. And now anybody can communicate with each other, create groups, and and spread the, this all this hate and misinformation, and just and um, and they can spread it globally, anywhere right. throughout the planet. Right. And the U.S. Right. suffers a lot from it because this is uh, unfortunately, whether it be in the north or the south. I mean, I think most people would agree that it is very prevalent in rural areas of the south. But you do see a lot of these um, these groups uh, coalescing now on the internet as well, um, and having a strong uh, influence on the internet because unfortunately the crazy people are the loudest, <laughs> and so yeah, you know they make more of a of a they're louder on the internet than the reasonable people, <laughs> even though technically speaking reasonable people outnumber the crazies, right? But they're not as vocal about it. So now it seems like this is a major problem that we're having. I think. I think there definitely are racial problems in this country. I definitely think they still are prevalent. But I I also think that we've been kind of manipulated by the people that are spreading this bullshit into thinking that it's a bigger problem than it might be. Because there's way more people being yeah. louder. And there's people, like I said, grouping up that otherwise and, wouldn't have. And yeah. I would say, I would say, and this is not the case for everybody. And also, I'm sure I'm going to get ripped to shreds about this. Yeah. And this is somehow going to come back to bite me in the ass. But I would say that there are militant people on both sides of the aisle, mm -hmm. right? Whether that be racist or deeply anti-racist who are spreading misinformation, mm -hmm. right? And... I, I by no means think there should be racism, right? But I feel like people who live in uh, metropolitan areas don't really understand rural areas, and that leads to a lot of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. No, I does, I, that, does that make no, does that make sense? I know what you mean because I've you know, as someone who has gone to to certain rural regions of the country, um. And as someone who kind of understands the climate up here in terms of, you know, the political climate, I know a lot of people who make assumptions about Southerners and yeah. assume that those people are inherently uh, biased. Um, and that's not always the case. I've met incredibly sweet people in multiple Southern states, whether that be Virginia, um, uh, North Carolina. Well, North Carolina is north, but still, it's a Southern state. 
uh, people in Texas. Um, I've met individuals who are intrinsically Southern. That is their culture. But they're not racist. <laughs> right. They're not racist people. They have no uh, prejudice in their bones. And a lot of people immediately like to assume that they do. And then when you question them on it, they're like, well, no, they, they have it. They just don't know it. It's it's part of the, the way they grew up. Because if, if they accept that culture, then it's in their culture. And, you know, I have to disagree with that a lot. I don't think that that's completely true. And I think... I would I would argue that that stance is prejudice in itself. Yeah, that's what I that's what I meant is that mm -hmm. there are prejudices on both sides about the people on the other side without any real communication between the two sides. Right. Well, it's also the fact the lack of experience. I mean, they haven't these people. The people saying this typically haven't traveled to those regions, so they have no understanding. Right. They have a romanticized perspective of what these these regions are or what they're like, and so it's hard to know. You know, I. You know, I had that bias when I was growing up, too. You know, I thought that a lot of people in the South um, wouldn't like um, people in my family, for example, either due to the fact that they were Hispanic or due to the color of my skin. Now, it does happen uh, to a lot of people. For example, uh, some people, uh, Wilson's brother, who's gone down to the South, uh, who's driven through those areas, has commented that he he does typically see more racially centered commentary. Not, not always racist, but... Skin yeah. color sometimes does pop up more frequently in those areas than it does up here. And that's also probably due to the fact that up here you have a large community of Hispanics, so it's not something we necessarily comment on. Um, so, but you know. So, I would argue, okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, there are definitely areas in the South that are, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, I mean, like, there's racist areas. I'm not going to, like, denote that. You know. Right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not negating that. Island. I'm not. But yeah. I would. I would. I. I mean, I've lived in both the South and the North, and you guys definitely have racist rhetoric up there. No, too. I. Th I definitely think it exists up here. I think it's just more. Um, I think there's different because of the differences in culture. I think one is more subtle than the other. Um. So I think. I think up there it's more targeted to groups, mm -hmm. and down here it's more. It's more skin color down here, and up there, it's more where you're from. Right. So I've heard people talk about Dominicans up there in a way that no one would ever say anything down here about. Like, no one would say that kind of stuff well, down here. Well, they wouldn't here. specify, you know, where they're from, really, because that isn't important down there. You mentioned that people don't really, like, go, like, oh, that dude's Ecuadorian, that dude's Dominican, that dude's Cuban. Like, they're just Hispanic. Yeah, it's area. it's more it's it is a skin color thing down here, yeah. which I'm not saying is not racist. That is definitely racist. Yeah. I'm not it's I'm not like up, negating. But... <laughs> it's still fucked up, but it's a different kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, like that's the more traditional fucked up, though. Like that's I feel like that's what people think of when they think of racism is the skin color uh, issue. But it's not. It's not. It's not better. It's no, no, not no, one. Not. One is not worse or better than the no, other no, one. They're no, both terrible forms of racism. Right. But I think that that's where people's minds go to. And so, because when you you refer to the issue up here, which you see a lot, you know, for example, I'm Ecuadorian. Um, well, half Ecuadorian. My mother's Ecuadorian, and up and uh, there's a lot of Hispanic groups around here don't like Ecuadorians yeah. <laughs> and they have like a preconceived notion of how Ecuadorians are. I mean, I've talked to like, uh, like Wilson's family is Salvadorian. They don't like Ecuadorians. And yeah. the reason they, I'm the exception because I'm 50%. But I mean, like the idea is 
you know, they, they mentioned, well, like every Ecuadorian we've ever dealt with, we've dealt with a lot, like has always had, like they've always been pompous and they think they know better and yada, yada, yada. They're attributing qualities to a group of people based on like a handful of individuals they've met, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, I, I, you know, my family's Ecuadorian. I know a lot of them are pompous, <laughs> but not all of them. And I've met other people that are Ecuadorian are really humble and sweet individuals and they come from this country and and most of these a lot of these sweet people have nothing like i've met a lot of um poor individuals in the in areas of ecuador that they live in small little um shacks or huts and they're happy with that lifestyle uh to an extent and they're some of the sweetest people i've ever met in my life yeah and they have no you know air of like of uh superiority they don't have a superiority complex or anything of that nature but over here it seems like a lot of people outside of wilson's family too that seem to think that generally Ecuadorian people are pompous yeah. and you know, they have like their nose up in the air, like they're better than everybody. I don't know why that narrative uh, has popped up, but then when you mention it, people are like, well, it's true. Like they don't see it as a problem. They just see it as like, but, oh, no, it's but true. see, because, yeah. because it's that idea you were saying that like you look mm -hmm. at someone's skin color and not where they're from. So the typical idea of racism is you go, Oh, I don't like that person because of their skin color. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, it's not just that when you say I, I don't I, like that person because of where they're from, that's racist. That's racist. I think whether the, you're the same skin color as them or not. I think the difference here as well is that one involves race, which is the, the, the color of someone's skin. Um, but here it's more defined because it's based on allegiance. It's, yeah. You know, it's cause I mean, I, there are people in my country, people in my family that are much darker than I am. But they're still Hispanic, and a lot of, you know, to an American Southerner, um, oh, someone from Ecuador might look identical to someone from Mexico. Like, they wouldn't probably be no, a right, difference. No, right, right. So, so, so it, down here, it's yeah, based yeah. on allegiance, too, yeah. but the allegiance is on a broader scale. You know, do right. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, instead of it being like, oh, right. you know, I have an allegiance to the Mexican people or I have an allegiance to the Ecuadorian people. It's I have an allegiance to all I see, Hispanic And, and I people. understand that. But I think what makes it, not that it's not bad. I think the reason that people don't uh, consider it racism or call it racism is because it isn't based on race. You know, Ecuadorians yeah. or Dominicans are not a race. They're a, they're a nationality um, and they're a, you know, Hispanic is, is, is even the word Hispanic is not a racial term. It's, it refers to an ethnicity. So when you, um, you know, like there's no, Hispanics don't have a color, so to speak. Like I'm as white as they come, but I'm half Cuban and half Ecuadorian. And so, you know, you meet a lot of other people. Like, sure, what I'm trying to say is that I think we, a lot of communities up here are prejudiced towards customs, and so, towards and towards again the flag that they come from and the qualities that they consider to be synonymous with that flag. So to sort of simplify what you're saying, yeah. you believe that the South is based in racism, mm -hmm. and the North is based in a sense of nationalism. So yeah, so to speak, yeah, I would think yeah. so. I but I, I think that's again we're talking about Hispanic communities. Well, so, I saw I saw it I saw it a lot up there. Right, right. I mean, I was actually. I'll be honest. I was very like surprised how like, you know, not segregated is maybe not the right word, but how like separate the communities were and how each one talked about the other one. Right.
you know, I mean, no, I agree that it, is, that is an issue up here, and a lot of people like to call this area a melting pot. It's like, oh, it's so diverse, and it's like, yes, it is diverse, but you have to understand that these communities, which we all coexist with, don't typically um, uh, intersect with one another. You know, yeah. they kind of still live in their own little bubbles with their own communities, and I, you know, in a perfect world, we'd all communicate and get along, but there are cultural differences that keep us apart. Well, um, I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having a community of people no, or of like a community not. of people like. You know, like if if you live in a Korean community, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I just think it's wrong when you go. I live in a Korean community, and I hate the Chinese community next door. Right. I think that's when the issue comes in. I, you know, and I, and to an extent, yeah, no, that's that's true. That does happen up here where people are are prejudiced. The problem is, I'm speaking from a Hispanic perspective, so I understand all of these these issues from the eyes of, of someone that's, you know, Cuban and Ecuadorian and understands both of those communities to an extent, right? Yeah. But I can't speak for the Asian community or the Middle Eastern community up here, because I don't know how they interact with one another. They might be the exact same as us, but I don't know, because I haven't, well, I'm not part of those communities, so therefore I can't. Well, I, I mean, I saw it a little bit. I saw it a little bit, right? Because when people when there was a filipino person they'd only hang out with other filipino people mm -hmm. you know and when they were like it, it was like they were and they would always like talk shit a little bit about the other people you know mm -hmm. i mean like there are no you guys have so many dominican stereotypes yeah, so many that was the one that got like the most hate that's why i bring it up i think it's because okay. the, the population appears so uh, the, the dominican population up here is really prevalent in this area but so i had it's... no i had no preconceived notions about the dominican population before moving there like mm -hmm. i had no like i mean i knew the dominican republic was a place but i didn't have any like you know, Dominican people are this or Dominican people are that, or like there was no nothing in my mind. No, there's a lot of it here. Um, and primarily, like I said, because the population is really prevalent. So almost everybody's, you know, started to comment on it. Um, yeah. But, you know, I also I also think it's interesting because, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a form of nationalism you know, people thinking their country or their people are better than the other. But I think we've always engaged in that, um, not just Hispanics. I just mean everybody. I mean, for a long time, you know, the United States itself held itself as you know would basically jerk itself off in advertising and any means of uh, any way for it to basically appear like it was the top in the world it's right like, oh we're better than these than these countries we're better than this we're better than that i don't know if you remember that bob dylan commercial from years ago where bob dylan did a commercial for uh chrysler or cadillac and then at the end of the commercial you know there's like a whole bunch of flag waving and then bob dylan goes like let china assemble your phone let yada yada do this for you but we, no, I don't. we will build your car. So it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, like we're already separating people into categories. Like, oh, this country's good for this. This country's good for this. But we're the best at this. So yeah. it's like, you know, the U.S. has done it and it's been doing it for ages. The U.S. has always been kind of like, like, uh, you know, hyped up on its own power or appearance. Um, and there's other countries that do it, too, like the English and the French. The English for centuries look down on the French to an extent they still do but you yeah. know they they like constantly are shitting on each other as to who's the best country you see a lot of that right. you see that between Spain and Portugal you see it between so many different uh, countries throughout uh, the world so you know up here in the north yeah it is you see it more on a personal scale because you're kind of 
you got you get to see it localized since there's so many right. groups in one area. But I think nationalism has always been a problem, and I don't know if it'll go away because that's that's kind of country that's I, kind of country pride at the end of the day, isn't it? You know. I mean, it is. I think there's a big. I think there's there's a big difference, but also a fine line between country pride and nationalism. And when you know, I I don't think there's I'm anything wrong. It, by the way. I'm not justifying. No, 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 I'm no, no. Saying, no. I'm I know. Just saying that that's kind of something that you know different nations have always kind of partaken in. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having a sense of national pride mm -hmm. with being like, oh, you know, like I'm from the United States. I feel very like prideful to have been born there and where I was born. And I, I like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think when that turns into sort of like xenophobia and uh, an imperialist attitude, I think that's when the problem starts to arise. Right. You know, I mean, like it, it's OK to be like, you know, I love where I was born. Like, I mean, I feel very prideful about being from Texas, you know, but I don't like, I, I don't think you should be like, you know, people are less than me because right. they were born in a different place. No, I agree. I like when I was bringing up those examples, for example, of like England and France, like, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that just because it happens, that means, Oh, it's great. <laughs> like we should keep right. It, right. You right. Know? But it's the idea of like, well, this is something that's kind of taken place, you know, since, since we started establishing, you know, our own cultures and, and groups. And so it's kind of hard to, to see, you know, where, where it is that we can stop that. Um, yeah. Cause it, for a lot of people, I don't mean to, you know, generalize everybody, but for a lot of people, it seems to be kind of instinctive to kind of like hype their own culture up and think it's the best one. Um, yeah. That's obviously a bias because, you know, we're raised in it, so we have no other yeah, yeah, yeah. frame of reference. But it's it, it's interesting to see kind of like the those differences between both sides of the nation. I don't know how the North will solve its its issue. Again, the thing is we're only isolating this to the Hispanic community. Cause I said, like you said, you saw it with the Asian community somewhat in the Middle Eastern community, but I don't understand like the, the, the main, um, all the factors that go into making these, these differences in those communities. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, again, that's another problem. I don't really speak to anybody up from those communities. I don't have any, right. any friends, um, in those, um, that would understand those, those, those aspects a little better than I would. Right. Um, but it is something that you uh, you do see out here. Um, down there, like you said, it's more generalized. It's so, it's definitely a skin color thing. Yeah. So I mean, I have a friend. I'm not gonna say his. I'm not gonna say his name. You know who it is, I'm sure. But um, I have a friend yeah. who's. I mean, he looks black, but he's from his family's from Puerto Rico. Yeah. But everyone just. I mean, like, I mean, like everyone generalizes that he's like, you know, a black a black kid he's not he's technically hispanic right. but it's like you know i'm not i'm not saying that's okay i'm people generalize by skin color here and that's definitely not okay well right well that's that's also the it's funny you bring that up because like i mentioned before hispanic isn't a skin color so right. you know you can't like if just because someone's dark and comes from puerto rico doesn't you know make them it's like oh you have to label them specifically as hispanic racially you know like yeah. racially you know if you like i'm Cuban. I mean, I wasn't born in Cuba. You know, I'm half yeah. Cuban. And I'm half Ecuadorian. But even though I was born here, I, those are still part of my identity to an extent. But I'm white. Yeah. Right? Like, what does a Cuban look like? What yeah. is? The, are you? How do you refer to a Cuban? Do you call them white? Do you call them black? I mean, I to me, it's more obvious. It's like it depends on you know what they what they look like. 
to an extent. I yeah. mean, that sounds harsh the way that it's being put. But I personally, you know, race does have to do with, you know, the color of your skin. So, you know, if you're black, it doesn't matter if you're American um, or if you're um, Cuban or Puerto Rican or Ecuadorian or or Icelandic, which would be kind of weird. But <laughs> if you were, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're black and you're from either of those countries, you know, your race is still black. Yeah. But, um, you know, and if you're white and Cuban, you're a white Cuban. You know, when I fill out my, my, uh, those forms and they go, what's your race? I fill in white. And then they ask me if I'm Hispanic in a separate field now, you know, they separated yeah. them. Uh, cause there is no color attributed to him being Hispanic. Yeah. So, you know, um, that's what makes it kind of a weird slope. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, down, um, well, I think everywhere, a lot of people have assumptions like, oh, Hispanic people look like this. And it's like, well, you know, I yeah, told well, my whole life that I look Jewish. <laughs> so, but, the, you know. but, but the thing is, like, I think in, uh, mm -hmm. you know, southern parts of the country, I know it was, I mean, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for everyone, you know, you shouldn't generalize. But I think, like, growing up, you always thought, like, we always thought, and again, like, I grew up in the south, so it was... There, there is an inherent bias there, right? And I try not to be racist as much as I can, but people come along with inherent bias in them. Mm -hmm. you, know what I'm, you know what I mean? So, you know, you always thought someone who was Hispanic looked like someone who was from Mexico, and everyone who was Hispanic looked like someone who was from Mexico, mm -hmm. you know? But that's not, I mean, like you just said, that's not the case, because I know... I mean, like, people, when I was up there, asked me all the time if I was Cuban because Cubans tend to have a lighter complexion. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is just, like, people have these bias that are, like, built into them from where they're from that they have to learn to... Well, it kind of circles uh, back to what we were talking about, about how people who don't really travel to those parts or those regions of the world don't have an understanding. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in your own little bubble, you're going to assume that everything that you learned while in that bubble is the way things are those are your preconceived right. notions you know so well, someone born you know on, in the south uh or somewhere in like south or west texas assumes that all you know most of the hispanic people that they see are going to look like mexicans right that's well plus we didn't have i mean there's i don't i i don't know but i don't think there's a large cuban community in dallas mm -hmm. so we don't i mean like we just don't know what a cuban looks like right. i mean like it, it's just like not that it's not uh information that's readily available to us unless you go out of your way to right find it well i think i think the the the, the miscommunication is just simply the fact that you know i don't think the i don't think people down in the south that assume that every hispanic looks like a like is going to look like a mexican is i don't think that those people have any malice when they make those assumptions i think it's just i don't think I so think, either i think it's just i think it's just blissful ignorance and i don't mean that yeah. it to be to be in, in, you know insulting but it's just ignorance they haven't left their area they only have ever seen one group of hispanics yeah. so they assume they tie that to the only group that they know and yeah. so it's 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 just again like i said already you know it's just a, it's just blissful ignorance these people don't understand yeah. that and on top of that the idea behind this the idea i'm trying to set forth is that there really isn't a set appearance to any particular group of hispanics it's just hispanics could look however yeah. and i think that's what i you know i think what most people would want a lot of uh, southerners to understand um is just that there isn't really a defined appearance to anybody who's his, to anybody who is from the hispanic community 
Like you right. said, I'm Cuban. I look like this, but there are Cubans who are who are black. Um, yeah. And there are, you know, it's not just not all Cubans just have a a lighter complexion, although it definitely is uh, a majority. But yeah. it's not, you know, always the case. I mean, you look at uh, America. There's just so many. There is no like pure American, so to speak, unless you were here since the the colonies, unless your family was here since the colonies were established. Yeah. But there is no pure American either. You know, you could be American yeah. and you could be black. You could be Indian. You could be Middle Eastern. You could be anything, but you're still an American. Right. Um, and I, I think that idea is what's supposed to like, mm-hmm. is what we, the American people should remember is that America is not a country for white people or black people or Asian people or Hispanic people. It should be a country for everybody. Right. You know, like everyone, if you, come here and you start a new life and you are, you know, you want to live the Amer- the American dream, which I, I think is still doable, then you are an American. Like, you're an American. I feel, I it doesn't like... matter your skin tone. It's just, it's it's a mentality thing. And I, and I, and that's the way it should be. But I feel it, like it should be that way, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that's, that's just intrinsic. But I think it's also, you know, at this point in time, I feel like it is a little naive to look at everybody who's struggling coming to this country and assume that they can, you know, have a uh, a pristine lifestyle, socially speaking. Yeah. Know, like they'll walk in yeah. welcomed immediately. Uh, there's always, been, yeah. you know, there's always been tensions as a result of that. And um, it's kind of hard to, um, it's kind of hard to, uh, to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, the American dream seems like... Um, it 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 feels like it's been fading away that that notion of an American dream, you know. Right, right. On. It feels like I, you know, again to quote Carlin, but you know they call it the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it, mm-hmm. and it's it's a profound quote, but it's you know it's it's something that I think you know holds a little true is that we're constantly like letting the rhetoric of our government guide us you know we're letting their kind of like oh everything's fine like them just you know their pr department kind of rule our approach to the way this country is um is viewed right and i think it's a little more complex than that i think we have to acknowledge a lot of issues before we can even think about fixing them um yeah and i don't think well i i think it goes back to that thing that it's like you know uh, i think that uh there was a point in time i mean like you know when Obama got elected. It felt like, like people people were like, "Oh, we have a, a black president now. Things are going to change. Like this is a big day for like the Amer- Like honestly, like every American person, because right. now it feels but like it was, everyone. It was, it was a big thing for the American people, and it, you know, it, yeah, we can be honest about it. It was a big moment for the the black community as well. But, you know, right, but yeah. I think I think it was like even if you were like Asian or Muslim or whatever, I I don't know because I'm not in those communities. But I felt like it was like, well, if you know the African an African American guy can become president, a marginalized group in uh, this nation's history, then maybe I my community or someone from my community or I could do it too. Yeah. You know, like I think it was a big like. It, uh, it was a motivator for a lot of those, a lot of small. Yeah, and so. and people felt like maybe the American dream wasn't dead, like they could do it, right? Yeah. Again, whether you agreed with Obama's policies or not, that's not the point here, okay? Mm-hmm. But I feel like lately, after Trump, and then now we've got Biden, it feels like you know, 
with all like the racial tension and everything that's going on, it feels like that's like slipping away again. And again, I'm not in those communities. I don't, I don't know, but it just like from what I see in, you know, the media and stuff, people are, people are upset. Like people feel like they're not going to be able to realize their American dream. Right. And I think that's a problem is when, you know, our own citizens start to, you know, go like, Oh, this is bullshit. You know, like yeah. living here and whatnot. But I also think, you know, this is an interesting point that I, I once uh, heard being told, but I, I, I can't remember the guy's name. So if I think of it, I'll maybe put it in the description. But he made an interesting point about Americans specifically. And it's that Americans are probably one of the most depressed uh, people of all the nations. Um, yeah. People in this country seem to be the most upset or the most depressed. And, and it, and, uh, there seems to be a, a a multitude of different possibilities as to why that's the case. But what the guy brought up, or his point, at least, if I can not butcher it, was that America, when they did like a test and they basically, you know, had multiple people do, they basically had an American and a European, and they went, um, uh, they told the Americans, like, Today, just do anything to make yourself happy. Do something that you think would make you happy. Yeah. Um, and they said they told the same thing to the European, the Europeans. And uh, in all cases, the Americans typically went out and tried to buy things for themselves, went out and had a spa day. They did something that would be intrinsically uh, better for them at the end of the day, the yeah. individual. Most of the Europeans went out and did something for a loved one. Not for no. themselves. They did something that would... They did something nice for someone else. And in that scenario, doing something nice for someone else kind of gave them a sense of joy and and happiness and fulfillment. And the guy that was talking about this was... Sorry to mention it. <laughs> was on the Rogan podcast. And... Uh, and it, but I think this is, this, is an, this is actually a critique that I'm going to be making. It's... Um, the guy was bringing it up and then Rogan didn't let him finish because he couldn't yeah. understand the idea of of like how do you make how does one get happy by not servicing themselves how do you how do you, how are you happy by treating someone else to something like how do you gain joy from that he's like he didn't get it and the irony of that was that Joe was feeding into this american delusion that you have to consume and buy stuff for yourself to be happy yeah. i mean you know he didn't even realize it but he was feeding that notion and so it's, 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 I think it's, it's, I think there's an interesting point there that a lot of the reasons that we Americans um, are so miserable and have so many issues and constantly are getting into confrontation is because we don't know intrinsically how to be happy. Yeah. None of us do. We've all bought into the, we've been raised by advertising. We live to be consumers. I mean, well, that's our civic well, duty at this point. Is to consume. That, I would I would argue that that's the. I mean, at first, free market is a great. I'm not saying anything bad about free market. First of all, yeah. I want to make that known. But I feel like you know, being a free market capitalist country for 300 years, the people who, or uh, almost 300 years, whatever, the people who, down the line, you know, like our generation and and just you know throughout sort of lose 
lose the the initial principle of making other people happy and it's all about consumerism like you grow up in that you know Mm -hmm. so you're like what's gonna be i mean i'm gonna be on like earlier today i was kind of having a little bit of a shit day so i was like what can i do to make myself feel better and i i played into that exact thing i went out and i got a i got a starbucks thing Mm -hmm. and i like i did something for me i didn't go out and like try and help other people to help make myself feel better so i definitely play into it too but it is like it's a it's a afterthought of what we've been raised into you know like it's a it's a direct reflection of the type of country we live in right so no i I don't know i agree it is a reflection of the country but you know there has to be changes i think because it our people are are unhappy as a result and 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 i definitely think there should be changes and it seems like a it seems like such a a weird issue because honestly you look at the united states i mean we're not the only one there's a lot of countries that have a lot of the same benefits that we do um and are probably freer than us in some cases but you know a lot of these capitalist you know consumerist countries you know sometimes will suffer from the same issues and the u.s is but regardless of that the u.s seems to be the one with the most oppressed individuals um and it also seems that we seem to have the most um we have a very specific uh, way to deal with trade and uh, the way we in advertising. I mean, we've been raised by it, like you mentioned. We've been raised and molded by ad men, which is literally yeah. what the show. You know, that's what Mad Men's about, kind of, in an ex- to an extent. But it's it's true. You know, that's we've we've been molded by it, and it's kind of yeah. become the peak of our personalities. Or not the peak of our personality, but the peak of our happiness is basically buying things is yeah. where we've gotten as a people. And um, I don't know how to necessarily change that. I mean, I'm, you know, I look at countries like Canada who are very similar to us, but not quite. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't exactly know what what would replenish the uh, the American happiness. Because, I mean, you look at us. And and really, I think our problems are kind of measly when compared to some people. You know, I have friends that live in Turkey, people yeah. that have seen that have seen active battle, not in Turkey, but yeah. you know, they've seen active. You know, they've they've been in 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 the shit, so to speak. Yeah. And and then our biggest problem is like, oh, I'm sad while we sit in our two thousand square foot apartment or house, right. <laughs> you know, right. and it's like, and it, it, it seems like such a weird scale. It's like, it's not that we're not allowed to be upset, even when we have right. everything. We definitely are, but it seems like we're upset about the wrong things. Well, and, yeah. And it's, and it, but everybody seems to be on the same page. We're all upset about the wrong things. I, th- I think it becomes yeah. a problem when you kind of go like, and I mean, this is, you know, you kind of got to be careful who you're talking about because there are definitely people in this country who live in like a metal shack out in the middle of a field. No, and of it course. sucks for them. No, of course. But but I'm not referring to those individuals, when, you know. I'm, right. When yeah. you are like sitting in your 2,000 square foot apartment and yeah. you're like, and you know, you're drinking like whole milk and you're like eating macaroni and cheese and you're like, I don't have enough. It's that's that's when I think it becomes your sadness is not then based on. You're you're buying things to fill a hole. You're not buying right, like but you're that's, not. That's what the American consumerist. Uh, that's what that's the typical American consumerist. That's what it created. Yeah. That's what this country yeah. created. Is no exa- exactly, and that's and yeah. I think that's the issue is yeah. that you're not going to find happiness by just getting more stuff. You need to find happiness by mm-hmm. 
an, a, another means doing things for other people do it like just mm-hmm. you you need to find happiness by realizing that about yourself i think yeah then but so it, it seems like most americans are not making are not having that realization no definitely not and um Joseph, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I have to get in the shower here soon. Where, where are we at with those? <laughs> no, we're actually pretty good. We're at an hour and 20. Okay. So you want to cut it there? Yeah, yeah. So for everybody watching, this is we brought back the 54 as a season two, technically, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the little ride we had here, the little discussion we had. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode two. So sit tight. We'll see you then.